Exodus took place in the year 2448 after creation. So we're talking about a little over 3,300 years ago. From about 3,300 years ago till about 2,900 years ago, there's sort of a blank where we, in fact, don't hear anything from Egypt because obviously we have a society that had been, been shattered. God, however, does something that he's going to do in the future in Gagumagog, and that is he's going to have the leader of Egypt, and this is not a democratic society, mm. but he's going to have the leader of Egypt do something that is absolutely preposterous, in enduring these plagues, watching Egypt uh, being destroyed. And this continues to go on as the Jews leave the land of Egypt and uh, come to the Red Sea. And that is, they're going to act in a way that makes no sense. That's completely irrational. And in fact, the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 4, verse 27, that God had intervened here. And that is that he had hardened the heart of the Egyptians, specifically mm -hmm. laid Pharaoh, the heart of Pharaoh. And that is, so at this juncture, once Pharaoh is acting in a way that's wicked, God then takes away from him, he removes from his free will. And now Pharaoh is acting essentially as God's puppet. He is now acting in a way that is irrational, that would make no sense whatsoever because Egypt is being destroyed. The God of Israel is showing his power, his might. And in every aspect, you know, in the ancient world, uh, there were different gods because they really genuinely, the ancients genuinely believed that what is in the what is what is in the air, what is in the ground, what is in the water, they're totally different. They don't know what we know today. So therefore the plagues are also divided. The plagues are coming from the air, they're coming in the water, they're coming from the ground. So therefore there's a demonstration that there is one God who is controlling every force and then finally culminating with the death of the the death of the firstborn in Egypt. So there's a hardening of the heart and if you're not sure what is happening, you can watch how Iran is behaving today and how the enemies of Israel are behaving today. It doesn't really make sense when you think about it. What is Iran bothering? But in fact, they're acting in a, in a reckless way because in fact, God, his name has to be raised up and that's Ezekiel 38 and 39. So if you're mm. not sure, what I'm doing with the audience is doing what the Bible does. Frequently, Scripture will say, if you want to know what that's going to be like, look back at this event in the past. So if you want to get a sense, you who are listening to this broadcast, of how irrationally um, the Egyptians are behaving, you can see how the world's behaving. Iran doesn't even have a border with Israel, yet they are preparing to go to war with the Jewish state. And mm. of course, um, it will be destroyed. Uh, you know, Zechariah 8 and 12 mm. will be fulfilled. That's what's happening here. And um, the Jewish people would have to demonstrate by what they did that they would that they would be privileged to be a part of a royal nation. That's what the book of Exodus is. That's where the Passover comes into view. Uh, Genesis is forming that royal family. The book of Exodus, if you want to sum it up, is really the formation of the nation, the nation of sure. Israel. Sure. And so now you mentioned the, the different plagues coming from the sky, coming from the, the water, coming from the ground. And, and to demonstrate, of course, because in the Egyptian uh, religious world, a polytheistic society, a, a whole number of gods uh, that the Egyptians worshipped, this shows the sovereignty and the, all, the almighty power of God, the, the nine plagues preceding this one. This one also does the same thing because there was a, uh, a ram god, is that right? Yeah, yeah. There was a, a god of the Egyptians, and 
and that they worshipped it. In fact, in Egypt, it was was not a tolerant society. It wasn't, if you killed one of their gods, I mean, like, I believe in India today, I think, uh, you know, because it's a, although it's the largest, uh, second largest Islamic population in the world, it is uh, a Hindu society. I think, I'm not sure, I think if you injure a a cow which is worshipped in Mm. Hinduism or or seen Mm. as a deity. In Egypt, it wasn't, uh, India is a democracy. Uh, uh, Egypt, uh, it was, of course, in the ancient world that this was inconceivable. And therefore, the lamb was a was a god to the Egyptians, and if you harmed it, if you did anything, if you killed it, if you slaughtered it, if you were caught, you were killed, you were put to death for that. You were the, that was a capital offense in the in the uh, in the ancient Egyptian world, and as a result, we see that interaction following the plague of lice, where where Pharaoh says is trying to work this through with Moses, and he's saying to Moses like. Moses is saying we have to bring our sacrifice to God, and therefore we have to leave here and go, uh, we have to leave this place. And, and Pharaoh is turning to him and saying, well, you don't really have to do that. You can offer do it here. Your, do it right here. You know, we'll you know, let you do it right where we are right now. And, and the, so there's a critical passage, and that's in Exodus chapter 8, verse 26, where, where Moses said we can't do that because what we're going to sacrifice is the abomination of the Egyptians. He's being very forward, and he's mm. saying, and therefore, and if we did that, uh, you're going you're gonna to try to kill him. You know, this would have been a, 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 uh, a capital fence. Mm. This brings into view now what is really going on with God testing the Jewish people in a way that God had tested Abraham in that the Jewish people were asked, you know, for Passover, a number of very important um, things to do. But one of the things was take the God of the Egyptians, I mean, take this lamb, and on the tenth day you, you, you tie it down, and then what you do is you, you slaughter it. And, and, and you don't do it in your basement because we want the blood to be on the outside of the doorpost. So therefore, this was a, a public display. You have to demonstrate that your fear of God exceeds that of your fear of the Egyptian army. And, uh, and it was so, those Jews who demonstrated that, yeah. So well, just, just going back to uh, Genesis, we understand um, during the time of Joseph, he says, uh, look, just tell, tell Pharaoh that you guys are your, your keepers of sheep, your herdsmen. And they'll they'll tell you, well, you go and do that somewhere else because you know that that is an abomination in our sight. Now, is that the same reason? It's it's yeah, an abomination. Uh, that reason? Yeah, that that these were these were gods who were widely worshipped. To the, I mean, we're very aware of a whole wide range of of gods in the ancient Egyptian world that were that were uh, worshipped that were conceived were were perceived as as deities. Uh, including Amon Ra, you know. So therefore, therefore, this they were asking uh, Amon Ra. They were asking the saying to the Egyptians, "We're not bringing it here. Here, you worship this as a god. We don't want to slaughter here. We're going to do it somewhere else." And this was mm. a test of the Jewish people: would they mm. demonstrate their their faith in God by be willing to do? Which was a capital offense in mm. uh, in Egypt. Yeah, uh, I hope that the listener uh, bears uh, notices that every aspect of 
of Passover is a an event that the not only the Jewish people but the entire that whole entire world sees the Jews and it's a very much on display. Everyone can see it. In contrast, if you look at the other holidays and belief systems of other religions, those things that are celebrated, they weren't there for everyone to see. You either believe it or don't believe it. These are national events that are taking place in the open. What is clear is everybody is being tested. At some point, Pharaoh loses his free will. His heart is hardened in order to display the, the, uh, the, the strength of the God of Israel so that all may know it. Mm. Jason, you were going to say? I was, I was going to say, there are going to be a lot of people who, who are looking at Passover and remembering Easter, <laughs> if you like. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I just it just occurred to me the kind of irony that at the first Passover, the, the Son of God, yeah, from Exodus um, 4.22, lived and survived. And that, the irony there is kind of blew me away a little bit. I hadn't really um, thought about that before. I, I know a lot of people on my um, on my friends page on page on Facebook are going to be looking forward to Passover as a time where they were spiritually redeemed, and I'm thinking how much cooler to be like physically set free. <laughs> um, sure. Because uh, Pharaoh would have it was considered a demigod, right? This is Tobia, is that right? Pharaoh yeah. was considered a a son of the gods, and in this case, Amun Ra the ram god uh, that they worshipped, and uh, and they would have acknowledged Pharaoh as a son of that god. Yeah, and uh, and all these gods, the, the, of course, Christianity would, would, in a sense, do the same, but the sun was, was very, very important and was connected to this, and the only other major, major god, there were many other gods in Egypt, but the other one was Osiris, which, again, you have that, that similarity and parallelism in ancient Egypt. Mm. But what uh, what Jason is referring to, obviously, is Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says Jehovah, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. And that's mm. the reference there. But of course, when he when God refers to Israel as his his son, his firstborn. It's it's not referring to the nation as as a nation of demigods, right? It's a different concept again. No, yeah, but remember, the ancients were not idiots. Meaning, the way they understood, and and this is true, in it, we could see this transition happening in early Christianity. The, in the ancient world, they believed that there was some sort of major god who kind of ran the world. And then there were these enormously powerful people who, who to them, clearly were, couldn't possibly have just been human. The emperors, certainly the pharaohs. So therefore they had to, in some way, have been conceived in some miraculous way and having with them uh, basically sort of, these are God-men, not equal to the absolute son, but these were a part of this whole, uh, this whole body. And, you know, and, and what Jason's pointing out is, is intriguing. Easter is a holiday that we'll see in the church in the second century it's not mentioned in the christian canon itself but mm. um but w- what they're doing is they're saying uh, they're going they're celebrating the fact that jesus rose from the dead but the jews who in fact kept the passover didn't die it's exactly the reverse it's the that's i think jason's point and it's, it's brilliant and that is and jason's going well yes <laughs> thank you very much i'd like that my point, but if he said it's brilliant i'll go with it <laughs> no. I'd, like, I'd like that 30 seconds just for me you can send that on <laughs> 
is. I mean, it, it's everything. Everything is reversed uh, from uh, the, the Christian notion of Passover, in that it was in fact the the people who part who participated in the Passover lived. They didn't have. There was no death. In the New Testament, in the Synoptic Gospels, means that of uh, Mark, uh, Matthew, and Luke. Uh, we don't. We we Jesus is not a lamb, but we have is in the by the book of John, which would have been chronologically the last book of the Gospels to be written, we already introduced to Jesus differently. Jesus is not baptized in the, in the book of John, but John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus, calls him in John one twenty thirty six, and I think in one twenty nine as well, that uh, Jesus says, Behold, the Lamb of God. So the Lamb there in John's thinking is, to that community, is in fact... Jesus and Jesus becomes personified. The consequences are going to be staggering for the book of John because if John wants to have Jesus as the lamb, which means in some way he's a fulfillment of this lamb, so the, he therefore, Jesus would not be crucified on the first day of Passover as Matthew, Mark, and Luke have him crucified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because remember, if the Last Supper is a Passover Seder, if this is confusing, let's make this simple. If the Last Supper is a Passover Seder, which it is in the Synoptic Gospels, mm-hmm. that means, and the Last Supper takes place for all the Hasidim, Hasidic Jews listen to this, just so you know. Uh, the Last Supper <laughs> takes place at night before the, all, all the Christians, of course I knew that. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> for all the, all the Lubavitchers listening to the show. So, uh, so that would be, the Last Supper would, would have t- takes place the night before Jesus crucified. So, in the synoptic, Jesus crucified on the 15th day of Nisan, or the first day of Passover. John wants Jesus to be the Passover lamb, eaten at the Passover, in the sense that is is killed, is crucified on the eve of Passover. So therefore, John is going to have Jesus crucified on the 14th day of Nisan. And therefore, if you look at John's Last Supper, there's a dinner, but it isn't the Last Supper. Jesus is, mm-hmm. is washing the feet of the disciples in John 13. It's very, very different. So in, only in John we have a whole series of it's on the eve of Passover. The, the, the Jews will not go into the home of Pontius Pilate because they're afraid of being defiled lest they won't be able to eat the Passover. Well, according to the synoptics, they would have nothing to be concerned about it because they already had it yesterday. So the consequences are going to be enormous. John is always going to be the favorite gospel for the church. Um, and therefore, its impact is the church eventually is going to assign Easter to the 14th day of Nisan, going by John, going according to John's, mm-hmm. uh, the way John pre- presents it. And this is going to be a major war, a major schism in the church of precisely when should Easter be celebrated. That's the second century. And everything opposes, because if you, you think about a Passover, the Jews who, in fact, passed this test did what Paul would say is impossible. What Romans 3 would indicate cannot happen. So therefore in, in Romans chapter 3 what we're fine, the book of Romans for those not familiar with is like the constitution of Christianity. That's where, the, where a great deal of Christian theology comes from, not from the Gospels. Uh, we're told with a conflation of many different passages sort of put together that no one can serve God. No works, no one can be saved by what they're doing. This has become a very important part of Christian thinking. In fact, that's exactly, the, in contrast, the reverse of what happened on the Passover. 
people, I mean, imagine the kind of fear of God the Jew had to have mm. at that time because they had to defy an army that they could see. The Egyptian mm -hmm. soldiers, I would imagine, would be everywhere for anyone to notice, especially during a time when there was enormous upheaval. They had to say that my fear of God, the God of Israel, exceeds that of, of we mentioned, uh, of the Egyptian army. So that means they did, they accomplished what Paul said, what the church would say is absolutely impossible. And that is that they did something. It was by their obedience to God that mm -hmm. they were saved not by anyone dying for their sins. It should be also noted, and this will come as a surprise, it strikes me as odd, I was surprised by this, but I think that many Christians think that the Passover lamb was somehow an atonement for sin. There's no relationship between, there's no mention of sin with regard to the Passover lamb. It's, it's, it's not a sin sacrifice, right? It's not no, a sin not sacrifice. not at all. It, it was a, a sacrifice. I mean, now if we could take all, the, assemble all this information, it's not only not a sin sacrifice, it's a righteous sacrifice, meaning it's a sacrifice that demonstrated that you were faithful and obedient mm. and righteous. It's an unbelievable thing. That means if you were sinning, you couldn't bring the lamb, and you wouldn't bring the lamb, and you wouldn't be saved. It is a righteous sacrifice. Only righteous people could bring it, because only mm -hmm. righteous people would ever do this. Mm -hmm. Only a righteous person would ever... Uh, risk all, risk their lives because of what the God of Israel had declared.